love the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, I'm going to read one verse, and it's a short one, so I want you to read it with me. I'm going to talk to you today about the good fight. How many of you had a bad fight this week? Don't raise your hand. It's easy to get involved in a bad fight, um, but there's a good fight too. We're going to look at what a good fight is today, because there is a good fight, a good fight. So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, and there it is. Now, this is at the end of Paul's life. Not only is it his last letter, it's the last chapter of his last letter. Now, the original writing was not in chapters, but it's the end of his letter, which was on a long scroll. There were no chapters. There were no verses. It was just a long read. And it was a letter, not really a book. It's a letter. But but this is one of the last things the great apostle Paul wrote. And here it is. He's summing up his life in one verse. So let's read it. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Wow. I can't think of anything better to be on your tombstone than that. Amen? It's so good. Let's do it again. Are you ready? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. How many of you want to say that at the end of your life? How many of you want to be able to say that? That ought to be what all of us are able to say at the end of our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, it's living, it's pulsating with life. And Lord, as we come to it, we pray that you will open this verse to us, these final great words from the great apostle, that Lord, it'll change us, rearrange us, recalibrate us, that it'll get us, Lord, on the right track. Lord, sharpen our focus today, sharpen our aim Sharpen our goal setting. And I thank you, Lord, for helping us to move forward in the things of God. In Jesus' name, would you breathe a prayer and just say, Lord, change my life today. With this word, change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, shout out to your neighbor and say, this is going to be good. It was worth coming to church today. Amen. Now, um, I think Paul the Apostle was the greatest Christian to ever live. I've said that many times, and I'm not trying to compare him to the other apostles or anything. It's just nobody exemplified the highest level of Christian life like the Apostle Paul. And and that's just my humble opinion. Um, I love Peter, love James, love John, love them all, but Paul knocked it way out of the park. In his Christian commitment, his fire, his zeal, his sacrifice, his love of people, love of the church, love of the Lord. He was used of God to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Um, and it's amazing to think that he was once a killer of Christians and a persecutor of the church like none other. As bad as he was as a persecutor, he was that good as a sold-out believer once he was saved. Amen? Now, again, Paul is summing up his life. He knows he's about to be martyred. He's not about to be set free or die of old age. He knows he's about to be martyred. He knows he's about to lose his head for his testimony of Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm looking at my life. I'm summing it up. I'm an older man now. I've lived for Jesus all these years. Let me give you an autobiographical sketch in one verse of my life. 
I had a fight to win. I had a race to finish. I had a faith to keep. And I succeeded in all three. That's my life in a nutshell. What a great statement about your life. Now I want you to notice that he places the before every one of the three things he mentions. The good fight, the race, the faith. It wasn't just any fight. It wasn't just any race. It wasn't just any faith. It was the fight, the race, the faith. When he put the in front of those three, he was saying these three things are higher. They are in their own stratosphere. They stand alone, far away and above any other fight or race or faith. They are exclusively the fight, the race, the faith. There's nothing like them. Placing the word the in front of each of them is to say there was no other fight or race or faith more supreme, more important than they were. And folks, that stands true for you and me. It is, it is the fight that we're in. It is the race that we're running. It is the faith that we are keeping. Amen? Now, Jude similarly exhorted all Christians. He said, uh, we are to earnestly contend for the faith. Not as any faith. There's a lot of faiths out there, but there is only one the faith. And the faith is the Christian faith. There's a lot of belief systems out, out there, but there's only one belief system that is worth following. That is the belief system that comes from the faith. Every professing Christian on earth should have the same three goals. I should have it. You should have it. That's why I'm speaking on it today. We should all have the same three goals to fight the good fight, to fight the good fight, not to stay on the sidelines, but to fight the good fight, to finish the Christian race. And I'm going to tell you what that means in a little bit and to keep the faith. Everybody say the faith. So let's unpack these things one at a time. And let me just minister to you out of this verse. He said, first, I have fought the good fight. Now, notice he didn't say, I have lived an easy life. He didn't say that, did he? He said, I fought a good fight. Looking back over his Christian life, it had not been an easy life. It had been a fight. He didn't say, I've lived an easy life. He didn't say, I've lived the good life. He didn't say, I've lived my best life now. Oh, no. He said, I have fought. My life has been a battle. Now, let's don't look at that negatively because he's not saying it was a big bummer. I, I really hate my, the way my life turned out because it was just nothing but a fight. You know, some people live their lives out. Some marriages live their, li- their marriages out fighting all the time. Some people live their lives out fighting fights that really aren't worth the fighting. But, but Paul's not saying my life was a drag because all it was was a fight. He's saying... I victoriously fought the good fight. I lived, I spent my life on what was, what it was worth spending on. You know, your life is like a dollar bill. I could give you a dollar bill right now and you could go and spend it, but you're only going to spend it once. You're never going to get it again. I could give you a dollar bill and say, here you go from me to you. And I gave you a dollar. You could walk out and you can spend it any way you want, but you can only spend it once. It's the same thing with your life. God gives you a life. 
and you can spend it any way you want. He gave you and me a will. We can spend it fighting bad fights. We can spend it living for bad causes. We can live for ourselves. We can live for selfish motives. We can live our life all wrong. You can waste the life that God gave you, or you can spend it wisely. Paul said, I spent my life on Jesus, and I fought the good fight. It was a good fight because it was his fight. Amen? We're all in the army of the Lord. We sang a song a little while ago. There's an army rising up. And I believe that there is an army rising up. Never count the church out. Even though we haven't been able to meet, even though we have been secluded and, and taken out of our building. Listen, when you, when you try to put the church down, the Holy Ghost of God is in that church and you can't keep the Holy Ghost down. You can't keep Jesus down. You can't keep resurrection power down. You can't keep the power of God down. No. When the power of God lives in you, and he does, then God is always a God of resurrection. It may look like the church is out of commission for a while, but the church will rise again because the resurrected Savior lives in us, and because of that, we will rise up again. So Paul's assessment of his life, he said it was a fight, but it was a good fight. Now, the word that he uses, he said, I have fought. I have fought. That comes from the Greek word agonizomai. Agonizomai. Now we hear a word in there, don't we? Agony. He said, I have agonized in this fight. It's, it's where we get the word agony or to agonize. And it pictures an athlete contending for a prize. Struggling, straining, striving, stretching, sweating, exerting himself. That's the idea behind the word fought. I have stretched, exerted myself, sweated, pushed, strained, fought, struggled, wrestled. I have given it everything that I've got. Folks, listen, the Christian life is not a life of ease. The Christian life is a life of battle, but it's a good battle. Amen? Because in the middle of the battle, we have the peace of the living God. We have peace with God. But he says, I have fought. I have agonized. I have strained. I have struggled. You ever feel that way? When we got saved, we, we were turned the other direction from the world. The world's going this way. We're going this way. The world is going downstream, further and further down into sin. We're swimming upstream, reaching up for God, and it's a struggle every day. But I want you to say with me, it's a good struggle. It's a fight. Now, in the Greek language, Paul uses what is called the perfect tense with the words, I have fought. Now, what does the perfect tense mean? It means that his struggle against the devil and sin had been courageously sustained in the past and was now being bravely sustained all the way to the end. The perfect tense tells us that he was a fighter way back when. He was a fighter all of his life, and he's a fighter now. It's telling us that he never let up in his battle. He never let up. He never put up the white flag. He never walked away. He never gave it up. He never said, Lord, I've had all this fun. I can stand. I'm going back to the synagogue. He never said that. 
But his battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil was sustained by the grace of God his entire life. He was a lifelong warrior that never put up the white flag, never walked away, never said, I quit. He fought when he was young. He fought when he was middle-aged. And he fought the devil when he was old. He fought the devil all the way to the day they took his head and sent him to heaven. Paul's Christian journey had not been easy, but by God's grace, he fought the battle to the end. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, many toils, through many troubles, I have already come. And grace has brought me thus far, and grace will lead me home. Grace saved us. Grace keeps us. Grace sustains us. Grace picks us up when we fall. Grace never lets us go. It's by grace I was saved through faith. It's by grace I fight the fight that I fight. It's by grace I crucify my flesh. It's by grace I live for God. It's by grace, amazing grace, powerful grace, sustaining grace, that we're going to make it all the way to the end. Come on, church. He says the battle was a good fight. There's lots of fights and battles in this world, as I've already said. But he said mine was a good fight because it was the Lord's battle. Now, when he used the word fight, what does that mean? Because some people read that and they go, well, he was a fighter. What, What does that mean? If you don't know your Bible at all, You wonder what he meant by that. Well, what he did not mean is to get physical with people, to beat people up till they get right with God. No, no, no. That's what some other religions do. That's what some other belief systems do. You're going to do what I say, and if you don't, I'm going to coerce you to do it. Christianity is not about that at all. That is not the good fight. The good fight is, let me just give you a few things that are, that are, comprise the good fight. The good fight is the battle against sin. Hebrews compares our sufferings to what Jesus suffered and says this, in your struggle against sin, talking to believers, in your struggle against what? Against sin. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood like he did. Now, notice he says, Christians are those who struggle against Sin. How many of you struggled against sin this week? Now, some of you are struggling right now because you're lying in church. See, I know you struggled against sin this week if you're a believer, because every day we struggle against sin. The world, the flesh, and the devil, they come at us from every side. Those are our three great enemies, the pull of the world, the pull of the flesh, the, the lies of the devil. We battle it every day. We struggle against sin. Rather than doing what our sinful flesh wants us to do, we obey the word of God that says, do not let sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. That's where the Christian stands. We have a battle against sin. So that's part of our fight. Another part of our fight is against persecution or enduring persecution. The Bible makes us a promise that I don't like claiming, but it's there anyway. And it is, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be, will be, maybe, not maybe, not perhaps so, not maybe so, but will be 
persecuted. If you're taking a stand for Christ in this wicked, in this, folks, we are in a wicked world. We are in a world that is more wicked than anything I've ever lived in in my life. We are living in a sin-cursed, devil-infested, sin-infected, dark, blind, rebellious, blasphemous culture. And if you stand for Christ in this culture, you ain't going to be popular. No, no, no. People aren't going to like it if you stand for the light. Now, you can stand in an elevator going up full of people and say, Buddha. And they say, cool. Or you can say, well, uh, 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 praise Muhammad. Oh, great. That's wonderful. But if you say Jesus in a crowded elevator, not in, uh, in a cursing way, but in an affectionate way, like praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You will have people hitting the, the buttons on that elevator get off quicker than they were going to in the first place. Because as soon as you say Jesus, the light shines. As soon as you say Jesus, something happens inside of them. Because the name of Jesus is like a spotlight turned on in the dark. And it chases darkness. It reveals demons. It reveals motives. People don't like to hear it. And the Bible says, Jesus told us, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So enduring persecution, ostracism, the, 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 the scowls and laughs and jokes of people. They know not what they do. Enduring, uh, nobody sitting with you at the lunch table at work. Enduring, maybe a spouse making fun of you coming to church. Enduring, losing some friendships you had in the past because they can't take your walk with the Lord anymore. Let them go. They weren't friends in the first place if they walk out on you because you love Jesus. Let them go. Everybody say, let them go. Sometimes uh, something really good is waiting for you to let go of something really bad. Sometimes receiving something great from God is hinging upon you letting go of something God didn't give you in the first place. But we're going to be persecuted, and that's part of the good fight. That's part of the good fight. That's okay. That's part of the good fight. Paul said, I have been made the off-scouring of the whole earth. We are like trash to most people. He said, that's okay, because I live for an audience of one. I don't live for the opinion of other people. They'll slap you on the back one day and stab you in the back the next. The opinion of people fluctuates like the wind. No, no, no. I want to know that I'm walking in a way that I've got the smile of God. I want his face shining on me. So let him persecute me. That's all right. Now, another part of the fight, the good fight, is combat with the devil. Combat with the devil himself is part of the good fight. Combat with the devil. Not just fighting against sin. Not just enduring persecution, but the good fight includes battling Satan. You know, I was amazed to read. I read a Barna survey, and Barna uh, surveys the church all the time, does polls of the church. He surveyed 1,800 believers, and I want you to listen to this. He surveyed 1,800 professing Christians, and he asked them what they believed about the devil. Four out of 10, that's 40%. If we put this room in half, pretty much. And we have this half and this half. 40% strongly, didn't just agree, but strongly agreed that Satan is not a living being, but only a symbol of evil. 40% of believers strongly agreed with the statement, 
Satan is only a symbol of evil. He's not a real person. He's not a real being. He's just a symbol, like some myth or, or, or some uh, something in, in ancient literature. But he's not really a real being. And, and I read that, and I said, that's shocking. Because what Bible are they reading? They're not reading my Bible. What Jesus are they reading about? They're not reading about the Jesus I read about. The Bible couldn't be more clear that we are battling a real person a being of high intelligence and power and who has fallen. Listen to what the Bible says, Ephesians 6. But I'm reading it out of the Living Bible. Listen to this. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all the strategies and tricks of Satan. Not tricks of a myth or a symbol of evil, but tricks of Satan. For we are not fighting against, listen to what he says, verse 12. We are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies. Persons without bodies. Personalities that are real, that don't have physical bodies, but they are persons. The evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits, that would be the demons in the spirit world. Part of the good fight is we're in hand-to-hand, so to speak, combat with beings without bodies that operate in the spirit world. A lot of times what we think we're fighting a human being, we're not really fighting a human being at all, but we're fighting somebody who has been induced by the enemy to bring conflict into our life. He said, you're not battling flesh and blood. Now this was the apostle who was always beaten up for the cause of Christ, who, who, who was blasphemed, whose, whose Jesus was blasphemed to his face who was thrown in jail for doing right and not wrong, who had his back laid open five different times by 40 lashes, save 139. That's 195 lashes laid across his bare back, turned his back into hamburger meat. If you had looked at the Apostle Paul's back in his old age, you would have had to have turned away. It looked like a road map of scars. And he said, He said, flesh and blood was not my enemy. No, my enemy is unseen. My enemy is real. My enemy is a personage, a spiritual personage that is attacking me through people. We note that Jesus sure wasn't dealing with symbols of evil when demons came screaming out of people at his command. He wasn't battling a symbol of evil when he battled the devil in the wilderness and the devil tempted him over and over again to try to cause him to forfeit who he was in God. He he wasn't fighting with a symbol of evil. It says Satan left him until an opportune time. A real person. When Jesus told us to pray the Lord's Prayer, he didn't say, here's what he did say, as a matter of fact. He said, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. So part of our fight, the good fight, is the fight with the devil. And I got good news for you. We win and he loses because inside of us is the winner. Greater is he that is in you 
than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have the greatest victor of all time living inside of you. He doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. And he does not lose. Amen. So Satan is real and he's part of the good fight in our battle against uh, evil. So the good fight is the battle against sin. It's, it's enduring persecution. It's combat with Satan. So Paul says, I have fought the good fight, and by God's grace, I was a victor. And folks, how many of you want to be able to say that at the end of your life? Amen? Satan is a defeated foe. Thank God for that. Now, secondly, he says, I finished the race. Let me move right along. I finished the race. Now, the word race to his readers immediately conjured up an Olympic race. Where you went, and we know the same thing. We think of the same thing, a race. Where there's the big track, the running track. And he knew that when he used the word race, that's the, the image that would be conjured. And the runners would line up, and then uh, the shot is fired, and the race is on. They have X number of laps to run. And then the first person to break the tape at the finish line is the winner. After running several laps. Now for Paul, the illustration he's using here is the race represents God's purpose for his life. God's assignment on his life. What God had called him to do, laid his hand on him to do. Finishing the race, what God had called him to accomplish was everything to him. Now folks, remember, no, we don't have the calling of the Apostle Paul, but all of us are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a called out people that we would show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So we don't have Paul's calling, but we have a calling. Amen. I want you to say with me, I've got a calling. So don't think, well, that's just the apostle Paul and don't have anything to do with me. Yes, it does. So we have a race to run. We have an assignment to complete. We have a purpose to finish. And so listen to Paul. He said, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He's talking about the race. I press on that I may lay hold of that I may lay hold of that I may make my own that for which Jesus Christ laid hold of me. Do you see it? When you got saved, you didn't just get saved for heaven. No, you got saved for that for which he laid hold of you. Are you with me? Let me make this simple. I love dogs. You know I love dogs. All my dogs are rescues. Now, when I rescue a dog, I go to the pound. And I, and I say this. I literally do say this. I say, show me the ones that nobody has wanted. The, the one that I've got right now, one of the two, had been in there for uh, five months. No, 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 I'm wrong. Almost a year. Almost a year. Ten months. And they took me to her. And I looked at her. She's looking out of her little cage at me. Now, let me tell you something. My heart goes out to animals and people. So don't think I'm just an animal guy. I love you too. But I, I looked at her in this cage and I thought 10 months. Now they said this to me. They said, twice we have saved her from being put down. When, when they were going to come get her to put her down, we snuck her into another cage. So I said, all right, how come nobody wants her? Because she has uh, 
the, the uh, worms, what are heartworms. She has heartworms. Nobody wants to fool with it. I said, I'll take her. Now I, I got her out of the cage. I petted her. She wasn't sure am I going to really get her or not. I said, I want that one. I want that one. I want that one. Now I didn't just want her because I wanted to get her out of the cage. No, no. I had a vision for her, a dream for her, a purpose for her. I saw her living in my house. I saw her going on walks with us. I saw her making our family happier. I saw her blessing our home. I saw her acting as a watchdog because this dog can bark. Let me tell you, she can bark. I I saw, in other words, I had a vision for her. So I had to go slap money down to get her out of that pound. So I paid the money and I took her out. I had a vision of taking her home where I live. I had a vision of taking her from a cage, from a cage to a castle. Now, let me tell you something. Watch this now. I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to get it because Jesus came up to your cage. Jesus came up where you were living in sin and you could not get out. Jesus came up where you were doomed to die if somebody did not get you out of that cage. And Jesus slapped down on the bar of God, the only currency that could set you free, his shed blood. And when Jesus saved you, he had something in his mind, not just to take you where he lives, but to give you a reason, a purpose, a meaning. He saw you doing things for the glory of God, involved in good works, going here, going there, being a blessing, going about everywhere, doing good, healing people oppressed of the devil, setting people free, witnessing for him. He had a vision for you and he took you out of the cage. He said, I want that one that nobody wants. That for which Jesus laid hold of me. Are you with me? Paul was in a cage of sin. He was going straight to hell. The Lord Jesus knocked him down on the road to Damascus, saved him, called him, gave him a whole new, and and ultimately to take him where he lives. Jesus saved us to take us where he lives. But in the meantime, there is a that for which he laid hold of us. And that is our assignment. That is our purpose. That is our call. That's our reason. He's left us here breathing on this earth. Paul told the Ephesian elders, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Listen to those words of this mighty man. My life is worth nothing to me, nothing, unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. You you can make a billion dollars, but if you don't do what God has for your life, you are a failure. You can be living in a crackerjack box somewhere on some street with no money, but you're living in the will of God and you're doing what he's called you to do and you are rich. You are better off than the man living in a mansion who can't sleep in his satin sheets because his conscience won't let him. Amen. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit worked up. I'm getting a little bit worked up. I want you, some of you are going, whoa, he's really, no, I got to tell you, this is where I live. Because the most important thing to me in the world is 
fulfilling and finishing, finishing my race, finishing my course, completing my assignment. And you've got an assignment. I've got an assignment. You've got an assignment. When I was 16, I got saved in juvenile home. When I was 18, I had a powerful experience with the Holy Spirit and the Lord laid his hand on me to preach. And and the one thing I live for is to finish what he laid hold of me to do. I want to be able to say with Paul, I have finished, not almost finished, not kind of finished, not partly finished, but I have fully finished what he laid hold of me to do. Everybody say amen. Let me quickly move along and finish up. I have kept the faith. Isn't it interesting that Paul would say I've kept the faith? Why did he have to keep it unless something was trying to steal it? I have kept the faith. Everybody say kept. He said, I fought a good fight, the Lord's fight. I I, I have finished my heavenly assignment. And in all those years, I kept the faith. Kept means to watch over, to guard. You don't have to guard something unless it's being targeted by a thief. And our faith, the faith, the faith, remember the faith is evermore targeted by the devil. Let me tell you what the faith is. Are you ready? Here's the faith, the faith. Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for your sins and mine. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He was seen by many eyewitnesses for a period of 40 days. He ascended back into heaven where he now sits at the right hand of the throne of God, and he will someday return to rule the world. That's the faith. That's the faith. Amen? And Paul says, I held it close. I never deviated from it. I locked it away in my heart and I threw away the key, the faith. Once I knew he was the savior and had died for me, once I knew he was coming back again, once I knew he was the way, the truth and the life and the only way to get to heaven, I held it close and I refused to let it be stolen away from me by any competing belief system or religion. I held it close. Why does this matter to us today? Because the Bible predicts that in the last days, many are going to walk away from the faith. Paul warned, know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. We're in the last days. Listen to it in another version. You may as well know this too, Timothy, that in the last days, it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian. One more version puts it this way. Remember this, Timothy, there are some terrible times coming in the last days. What will make the times so terrible in the last days? Paul points to one of several things. Here it is. He says, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly. He's saying the witness of the Holy Ghost is beyond argument, beyond refute. The Holy Ghost is telling us that in the last times, Some will turn away from the true faith. Some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from devils. They will be seduced away from the faith once delivered to the saints. In the last days, deception is going to be so widespread that those not well grounded in the word of God will deviate from and walk away from and be seduced away from the faith faith. They won't hold it tight and they'll be taken away. 
Why would I tell you that this today? Because dear church, we're in that day. People that were not taught the word of God. That's why I am a broken record at Turning Point Church. I tell you all the time. The most important thing you can do is learn that Bible, read that Bible, get into that Bible each and every day because it'll guard you from deception. It'll keep you from being lied to. It'll help you defeat the devil. You cannot walk away from that word without eventually drifting from God. You need the Bible. Everybody say with me, I need the Bible. Oh yeah. Praise God. Those that truly love the Lord have a promise and let me get you to stand and I'm going to read the promise. This is good stuff. You might want to read it with me. Let's put it up there and let's all read it together. Are you ready? Read it with me. Good and loud. Here's the promise of God to you and me. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 Say with me, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Amen. Can we lift our hands and let's, let's bow. Jesus, what I've shared today out of the word of God is your call on every last one of us. We have been called, Lord. It's your destiny, your purpose for us that we would fight your fight, the good fight, that we would finish our assignment on earth and that we would keep the faith close to our heart and hear the words at the end of time, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you needed that today? Amen, amen. Amen, amen.